Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the preparatory podcast where we are talking about things of the preparatory gospel found in the scriptures. My name is Michael Ha. I'm joined with Larry Ha and Aaron Ha. Sorry, I forgot your dad's name for a second. We're just three uh, three gentlemen talking about the scriptures. Right now we're going through the Book of Mormon and chapter by chapter and kind of discussing the things. Uh, we're in Second Nephi today. We don't go by those other names too often. Uh, my real name is Samuel Jordison, and I'm joined with two others. You guys want to say your other names? Uh, my name is Andrew Smith, and I am Aaron Haw. <laughs> I'm just Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's Larry's boy there. Yeah. <laughs> we keep it simple in the Kane household. <laughs> um, but last episode, we kind of went over Lehi leaving his blessing for his sons and today, um, Lehi is gone. We're starting in chapter four here. Lehi is gone, and it's you know it's just Nephi. Nephi kind of poured out his heart in what we call Nephi's psalm, or what I've heard referred to as his psalm. And in chapter four here, this is sorry had a lot of uh, asterisks. We're in the RLDS Book of Mormon. If you're following along, um, the 1908 version, I think all of us have. Um, so if you don't have that one, the wording might be a little differently. But here in chapter four, Nephi is starting out and he starts with something kind of a little bit dramatic. Behold, it came to pass that I, Nephi, did cry much unto the Lord my God because of the anger of my brethren. So setting the stage here a little bit, Lehi gave all his sons blessings. He had a little bit more favorable blessing left to Nephi and to Sam and Jacob and Joseph and a little bit of a harsher one. Uh, on Laman and Lemuel. Um, do you guys want to say anything about that? Kind of tell us what those were about. It seems kind of like just a last ditch effort of guys. I've tried mm, the whole entire time since we left Jerusalem to get you to see what is important in life. And you have not responded in the least bit, it seems. And um, this is a father that loves his, his sons. Uh, um, he, he loves them so much and and it's because of that love that he was able to probably push forward to a land that that had so many blessings you know i believe that lehi was very unselfish and so this account is almost a little heartbreaking because he's is like he's pouring out everything he is into his sons and what they could be and yet they're not responding and so it's something obviously almost every one of us can relate to because we have all had we, we can all relate to someone not believing as much as they should, you know? And so I, I feel like this is really touching to read or that was really touching to read because it's something that we've all dealt with in one way or another, but it, it's a good way for Lehi to respond because he could have just given up. And there's definitely possibility. And I've definitely been in the, in the position where I've been so frustrated with friends or family members who haven't been yeah, wanting to be a part of, of the gospel or just, I don't know, a relationship with God. And it's been so frustrating for me. And yet sometimes I'm tempted, tempted to just give up. And Lehi's not doing that here. He's saying, listen, until I don't have any breaths left, I'm going to spend my breaths, breath, (laughs) whatever. Breaths. Breaths. Breath. Breath. I think it's breath. (laughs) 
he's going to send his <laughs> breath breaths to to try and and convince his kids that this is the right way for I mean this is what's most beneficial for them in their lives it's not because he just wants to be right it's because it's what's best for them and and so I guess I'm going off on a tangent I guess but anyway that that was my yeah point on that it's just a father who loves his son wants what's best for him he's telling him the lord has blessings for him i mean everything you said it's all it's all for for the good of their souls so starting off now after lehi gave all that to his sons we're starting off and nephi saying he's talking to the lord a lot because of the anger of laman and lemuel specifically the anger of his brethren um he says their anger just kept getting worse and worse it did increase against me and uh, unto the point that they tried to take away his life. And they tried to take away his life before. So he's Nephi's, I think, third time's the charm, trying to starting to say, you know, this is getting a little ridiculous. They respected our father. They respected our father enough to leave Jerusalem. And even when they were like, we could go back, they still obeyed their father. Because uh, we talked about that in previous episodes. They think they, they kind of knew what was best for them to to obey the Lord and knew their father was a righteous man. But now that their dad's gone, there's no one there that's going to side with Nephi and chastise him. So I think anger is a universal trait though. So is that necessarily bad? I we think, can talk about anger just in general, I guess, as Christians, cause we all face it, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I just think that anger is fine. It just depends on uh, what it might lead you to and in what it, it's not the right thing to say in what spirit you are angry in, but I think it's a natural thing to be angry, but it's more of the, what, you know, anger leads you to do. Yeah. And yeah, sorry. I said that like my dad says it like, yeah, but I have the real answer. So that is not what I try to say at all. I do have the real Michael Hawes is going to change his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, I agree. It's just it, what it leads you to do. And I think sometimes, though, there's a positive, like you can have a positive reaction. It, what it leads you to do, it's not like whatever you react to in anger is going to be necessarily bad or for the worst. But the Lord is, says multiple times in the scripture that um, his anger was kindled. And we know that he's always in the right. He's always righteous. He's always perfect. Um, but he gave um us traits that he has when he created us and one of those traits or feelings was angered so we would know what he feels sometimes when he's provoked and righteously reacts in that way and i think it's up to us to make sure that we are always in the right so it's not necessarily that anger itself is bad i think most of what the world would say is okay to react to and anger is not necessarily right but there's a there's a, a spot there for anger. There's a difference, I, I think, and, it, and it's what you're saying, but um, just to bring out your point, I mean, is is that there's a difference between when Jesus says you should turn the other cheek and then when God has his wrath kindled against the nation or something. And it's almost always because um, when, when God gets angry, it's always, almost always because of an injustice or mistreatment of innocent people or um uh in the dnc it says his wrath is kindled um when you don't confess his hand in all things and it it just seems like when god gets angry it's because other people are hurt and and it's because you want to to put them in a better situation and so like when his wrath is kindled against different nations it's often because they were 
uh, doing bad things to his people, the Israelites, or just the people who were following what he was doing. And um, when we get angry, when the world says we should get angry, is often when our pride is hurt. And that's not when God says, and, mm-hmm. okay, that, that's not why you should be angry. It, it should not be about you. Like when someone says, hey, you're really bad at soccer, Andrew. Oh, man, I want to punch that person, you know? And that's if God were to hear that from somebody, he would not care at all, yeah, yeah. first of all, because he cares very little about his soccer skill. But I don't know, maybe he cares a lot. But um, but it, yeah, so I think there's a difference. I don't know. Yeah, and we're not supposed to like just be sad about sin or stuff like that. Like we can be angry of our own sin or other people's sin um, as long as that leads us to a righteous path. And that's true as well. Sorry I to cut you off. But um, in the Book of Mormon, it talks about, or in the Book of Alma, sorry, it, it says Alma's talking to his sons and he says, sorrow is only good when it incites you to repentance. And the same thing I would kind of lead onto or bridge to the same thing applies to anger as well as that it's fine as long as it incites you to be better. Yeah, I think a lot is just in Alma, the book of Alma. Again, you have a, a man that I love to that. I don't know if I'd say idolize isn't the right word because we're not supposed to have any idols, but um, look up to it. And that's Captain Moroni. And it says that he was angry with the Malachiah who was leading part of the church away and promising them that would, you know, manipulate them working on their own pride, trying to get further up and, and be keen eventually. And Moroni was angry with them, which caused him to tear his coat and then go marching in the streets, calling all the Nephites to remember their, their God and, and what the Lord had done for them before. And, you know, I think that's, again, is it just like you said, that anger was used to bring people closer to the Lord. And even when God, it says he's angry with other nations and, you know, his wrath is kindled or his anger is kindled against them because they were hurting his Israelites. It's not because he loves the other people any less than he loves the Israelites or, or ever. It's because, sorry, just drank a lot of water. Uh, it's because... <laughs> He, uh, when there's nothing in your stomach and there's just a lot of water, <laughs> 2020, trying to get skinny, um, not eating a lot, but drinking a lot of water. Um, when the Lord is angry with these, these nations is because he has a plan to bring them back to him. And, uh, and they're working actively against that plan, which is, he knows what's in their best interest is to be back with him. Even in his anger, it's not, you know. I'm going to cast you off forever, even though sometimes people make that choice to be cast off forever. Most of the time, it's even if you're doing this and I'm going to have to do this to you, this is for your best interest. This is for for the best interest of the people that I that I have. And not to go even further down the rabbit hole, but just like it applies with sorrow and anger, it also applies with all all emotion just in general is that it's natural to feel reactions to things. That's just how our bodies work. I mean, chemicals release when certain things happen and we respond to stimuli, you know, but it's, it's, um, it it should be used for us to return to God, like Sam was saying. And so, yeah, as long as we use that to, to further our relationship with him and get back closer. So, also, along to your previous point, what position do you think Jesus would play if he played soccer? 
uh, goalie, definite goalie, because he saves you, savior. Got it. Starting off twenty twenty right. Yeah. Okay, moving up past the first second verse. Um, the brothers there are murmuring against him, and they basically say, you know, our younger brother thinks he's going to rule over us. Um, and we've had just as many trials. Um, and, and much actually because of him, many trials in our life because of him. And if he hadn't done all the things we, he did, we, you know, we probably would have been better off. And so here they're actively denying the things that the Lord has done for them and used Nephi in that talk about the doctrine and covenant saying the Lord is kindled. His wrath is kindled against no one except those who confess not his hand here. His brothers are actively saying, you know, if Nephi wasn't here, we would have been better off. We actually endured a lot worse because of Nephi. And they're saying, he's not going to be our ruler. Uh, we're the elder brethren. And they have this power surge. I don't know, power... Uh, angst. was Angst, yeah. I think there's a certain <laughs> word, though, I'm looking for. Power, uh, not... I don't know. It's like when you hunger for power, but... Power trip. Power trip. (laughs) Oh, wait. Power trip. Never mind. That's when you have power and you go on. Overuse it. Yeah. So never mind. Lame and lame. You don't have a power trip. But they are kind of like we should be the rulers. (laughs) Power Uh, angst. That's a good (laughs) one. (laughs) I think it's interesting that they are so angry at Nephi because he wants to be the ruler when at least, you know, written out it doesn't have nephi saying i will rule over you and you have to listen to everything i say it's more lehi being like you better listen to what nephi saying because he's actually following what the lord is saying Mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting when they are looking at spiritual leadership as kind of this overtaking of their own status in their family but you know spiritual leaders doesn't necessarily mean that you're the oldest person and you're yeah the most spiritual so it's kind of not they're not even seeing the whole picture and what even the purpose of following what nephi said is doing yeah and just to go on they keep murmuring about them and nephi says (laughs) it's not going to take it i'm not going to write all the words they say about me, but basically sufficeth me to say they wanted to kill me. They wanted to take my life away. So here's Nephi and his haters, Laman and Lemuel. And um, the Lord comes to Nephi and he warns them that he should depart from them that want to kill him, those, his older brothers. And Nephi takes his family, Zoram, um, and his family who's been traveling with them since Jerusalem when they went back and got the plates, Sam. Um, Jacob and Joseph, his younger brothers who don't have families yet, my sister. So we know that Lehi had daughters, presumably who married the sons of Ishmael and all those who would go with me and all those who would go with me were those who believed in the warnings and the revelation of God. Wherefore they did hearken unto my words. And then they, they journey in the wilderness for a while. Um, and then they eventually, they pitch their tents, and here in 14, it's 14, it says, And we did observe to keep the judgments and the statutes and the commandments of the Lord in all things, according to the Lord, the law of Moses. And the Lord was with us, and we did prosper exceedingly, for we did sow seed, and we did reap again in abundance. So the Lord is blessing his people wherever they go. They're seeing the prosperity they, they have due to leaving those who wanted to hurt them and kill them, and now the Lord's taking care of them. So I found this interesting that as they began to prosper here in 18 and 19, 
Um, before any talk of war, they've already journeyed in the wilderness for a while. They split up. They're alone now. Um, Nephi did take the sword of Laban after the manner of it, and he made basically more swords for his people. And he says he do, does it um, in case his his brother's people who are back, you know, where they were, um, should come upon us and destroy us. He says, for I knew their hatred towards me and my children and all those who were called my people. And so Nephi's preparing. And I think we have a, in our title, the preparatory podcast is about um, preparing. And what is that? What is that that we're preparing for? What is the preparatory gospel? I guess I'll just get dive in there. I'll ask um, one of you. I'll ask Andrew. Had <laughs> uh, to do a coin flip there. Without a coin. But it landed on Andrew. Guess I lost. Or won. We'll see how this answer goes. But um, no, the preparatory gospel, if if you look at the two, um, it, it talks about the preparatory and then the celestial. And preparatory gospel comes from section 83, um, the Doctrine and Covenants verse, uh, well, paragraph 4c. Uh, and I will just read that for you. And it says, Therefore he took Moses out of their midst, and the holy priesthood also, and the lesser priesthood continued. Which priesthood holdeth the key of the ministering of angels and the preparatory gospel? Which gospel is the gospel of repentance and of baptism, and the remission of sins, and the law of carnal commandments? So, if we look at... Um, just the definition that's given there is the gospel of repentance and baptism and remission of sins and the carnal law of commandments. And so um, I guess uh, as our name insights, we are a podcast that helps to bring that same goal to the listeners here as well as that we're looking at scripture and we're going through specifically the Book of Mormon. But in Scripture, there are many talking points or many bits that point to this concept that's right here. Is that it's it's all coming down to repentance, baptism, and keeping the commandments. And so, I, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times. Sam and I have been through some classes with a mentor of ours. And uh, he's taught us a lot about the kingdom. And that kingdom comes ultimately from just keeping the commandment. And it's not a physical place in which you can come and go and, and travel to by foot. It's a place in your heart or a state in your heart that you have when you're keeping those commandments. And so our goal here, I guess, by going through the Book of Mormon is to, to look at real people because these are real people. This isn't a book uh, about fictional characters in which Joseph Smith Jr. thought it would be a great idea just to write a bunch of hoo-ha for people because it'd be a great story. No, it's 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 a, a real story with real people that went through real things. And if we look at their life, we are we can be more prepared, like we were talking about earlier, the just the word prepared, to to go through our life as well. And so is Satan tempts us just as he does Laman and Lemuel and Nephi and Sam and, and Lehi and Sariah and all those people. Um, we can be more prepared and adept at handling those things when we've looked at their responses and what worked for them. And so, yeah. And so if, if we look even further into that, and this isn't maybe the direct meaning of it, but the sword of the spirit, like in the armor of God, 
is something we can always prepare with, you know, like he's preparing with physical swords, but we should be preparing with that sword of the spirit. And we can keep that. We can have that sword of the spirit with us by reading our scriptures, by uh, continually praying, by following the commandments. And so just like Nephi was trying to get ahead of the curve because he knows someone was trying to destroy him, we should know that people are trying to destroy us and maybe not um, intentionally like, oh, I hate Jason Kane. I want to end his life forever. No, it's it's it may be just that people are going to encourage you to do things that are against your moral code or, or against what God has told you is right. And so you have to be prepared with that sort of the spirit, just like uh, Nephi was, um, because it's important to be prepared. If you're not prepared, then, I mean, it's great to to you can say you're trusting in God, but God says to be prepared. <laughs> That's the point of the preparatory gospel. Well, I'd, I'd like to just jump in real quick because the prepare part means you're preparing for something. I mean, there is a, there is something next that's coming that that's why you're preparing. And so like, if you look at all the people in Kansas city, Missouri, where we're all based, we don't prepare for a hurricane because there's absolutely no chance. I mean, the Lord can do what he wants, <laughs> but as of right, right now with what we know about science and, and weather, there's no chance for a hurricane to hit Kansas city, Missouri. Now, uh, when you talk about the preparatory gospel and what is that preparing you for, it's preparing the repentance and the remission of sins and, um, and the laws of carnal commandments are preparing you for something higher, um, which would be the celestial law, which would be what comes after, um, you know, after that repentance and after that baptism and after you let the grace of God work through you and have, you know, a solid relationship with the Lord. Um, it's preparing for you to basically be like Jesus. And so Nephi was preparing for war and trying, uh, assuming at the same time to prepare his people to be like Jesus. And just, uh, we're going to beat this to a pulp, but talking about preparation even more is that in section 83, it says that it's the gospel of repentance and of baptism. And what is baptism? I mean, it's preparation for you to enter into the kingdom. My God's Jesus said that you can't enter into the kingdom without being baptized. I mean, it's the preparation you need to make to get into the kingdom. And so it just, they're not different things. He's all saying that there are, there are things that you need to do to get ready for what is coming. And that is the point of the preparatory gospel. Boom, boom, boom. What's coming? Hurricanes. <laughs> hmm. That wasn't the answer I was looking for, but you know, if you prepare for hurricanes, that's all right too, I guess. It's better to be safe than sorry. All our East Coast listeners. <laughs> How many of them are there, Jason? There's some. All right. Hey. Yeah. You can prepare for hurricanes. <laughs> safe. And for the celestial kingdom. Anxiety. Please do that too. <laughs> Actually, first. Please do that first. All right, we're moving on. Uh, Nephi builds and his people build a temple like unto Solomon's temple. He says it doesn't have a lot of the same things because they didn't have access to a lot of the same things. But the the workmanship was like Solomon's. And he says it was exceeding fine. Um, and he's causing um, his people to be industrious. They're working with their hands. They're raising buildings. They're you know, they're 
they're slowly becoming a civilization and they want Nephi to be king. And um, so Nephi is basically a righteous ruler and teacher. That's the job that he really wants. So he kind of fills that role of being a leader, uh, but I was also teaching them things first and foremost, the things of the Lord. And um, when he says specifically that he doesn't want to be king. Yeah. He doesn't want to be yeah. king. And, and so this is also a common theme in history of great leaders being requested to be king. You got George Washington. You got <laughs> other people. The like brother him. of Jared. Yeah. Jason people, Kane. People always want. Oh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no. But people always want this leader. And I think they turn to these you know, spiritual and physical leaders because they are kind of lacking in their own um, spiritual wealth where they don't have this uh, closeness with God when he is really all that they need at this point, especially um, they're just building their civilization. They don't really need a king to, you know, do more than what they're doing. And so I, I think that's just an interesting reflection on people's uh, mindset and desires. I can definitely agree. And I would even say that, like you just stated in a different way, that people are too dependent on physical, other physical people or just people in general. And, and that it, it's important for us to know that when we stand before God, it's not with other people. <laughs> Jesus is the only one there. And so he's the only one we can depend on. And, and so I, I guess that's just like you were saying, I'm, that's the, a common trait that good rulers have is that people want to uh, depend on them. But like Nephi says, I don't want to be your king. You shouldn't depend on me, depend on God. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it was important for them to build a, a temple, you know, as he knew that as long as eternity was concerned that Nephi wasn't going to be the one saving them. So that's important. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with what we're doing here with the podcast too, is we all want to be spiritual leaders in a sense, but leadership in a spiritual sense is pointing people to have their own relationship with God. We don't want people to follow us. We want people to hear us and be pricked to go and evaluate your own life and evaluate your own relationship with God and you know, grow closer to him. See, because I mean, that, that's a perfect example. And going forward with that, you can see uh, the people who did allow them to be king. Every instance of a good leader becoming king, eventually either they become a bad king or someone else after them becomes a bad king, you know, and somewhere along the way, someone is going to fail you. And so the only way to avoid that is is to only depend on God. You can't put your faith in in those things of of the flesh, as we've been told multiple times. So Nephi takes up the the job. He's the he's the righteous king, um, and then he mentions that um, his brothers who wouldn't have him be their ruler and teacher due to his commitment to the Lord and and holding on to the commandments. Um, they were cut off from the presence of the Lord and he causes a cursing to come upon them because they hardened their hearts, um, that they become like unto a flint and the curse that the Lord puts on Laman and Lemuel and 
their people, he says, the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. And thus saith the Lord God, I will cause that they shall become be shall be loathsome unto thy people, and they shall repent of their iniquity. Save they shall repent of their iniquities. Sorry, a little tongue tied there. Um, and he says, and the Lord spake it, and it was done. And uh, a little bit further on, I don't. You guys can just jump in here whenever you want. So this is a controversial topic that I think we should touch on. We don't really have the answers. But at least we don't know if we have the exact answers. But we have an interpretation that me and Andrew were talking about before we started recording. Um, Please and I'm just and and I, I just want uh, Andrew to kind of <laughs> talk on some of that. I thought you were going to explain. Here's a controversial topic. I'm just going to let my friend take that one. If anybody's going to take the fall, it's going to be you, my friend. All right. Well. I will survive getting thrown under the bus by answering it as best as I can. I'll, I'll jump in later. All yeah. right, cool. Um, no, so it, it, in 34 and 35, it is very interesting because it says, um, it's talking about the condition of each of the group's hearts. And in 34, it says, they had hardened their hearts against him, against Nephi, so Laman and Lemuel's group, and that they had become like unto Flint, like Sam read earlier and uh wherefore as they were white and exceeding fair and delightsome that they may not be enticed enticing unto my people the lord god did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them now this is like jason was saying it's very controversial because some groups will point at this and say oh well god's not racist so this is obviously false but if you look at this in uh, a different way um uh, the way Jason and I were talking about earlier, which I will let my friend Jason, I'm kidding, <laughs> um, is, is that it, it changes meanings altogether. And it sounds much more like the God that we are all very familiar with. And it, and it's, so it's talking about in 34 and 35, the condition of their hearts. Right. And it says, wherefore, as they were white and exceeding fair and delightsome, it, it seems to be that this is a condition or a, sorry, a description of their countenance to my, in, in my mind, it sounds like he's saying they are so attractive, like being around them is attractive. And, and looking at, at, um, relating this to our world nowadays, the sinful world in a different way than God, obviously is, it has a, a sense of attraction to it, and it's what Satan uses because once you get used to that attraction, it's all you want, but um, it is a, a different kind of attraction, and I feel like this is the same thing, is that Laman and Lemuel's people were just not in a good place, and so, uh, like, kind of, <laughs> I don't know, this is a, I've never said this out loud, so I don't I don't know how this is going to sound, but like how opposites attract, you know, that kind of just, it doesn't make sense, but because it's so foreign, they're attracted to it. And so Nephi's family and his group has been keeping this law and everything. And, and because of the foreignness of Laman and Lemuel's people not keeping the commandments, like not having any rules at all, it seems like that, that just bears some sort of attraction. And so 
Because of that, it says, well, this furthers the interpretation, that they might not be enticing unto my people. God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. So where they were enticing, where they were delightsome in their countenance, he caused them to not be anymore. I mean, and that, and that's what I read when I see it, because it, in my mind, it doesn't make sense that here are these white people and God says, you're being wicked and then makes them black, you know, and yeah. <laughs> that it's not how God works, you know? And, and the people of this time, well, in this location are not very white, you know, <laughs> right. Where did they come from? Yeah. They have yeah. dark skin. It's the middle East. They're yeah. now in, you know, South American areas. Um, it, it you're going to have darker skin. So even this description of, you know, whiteness is not necessarily accurate. So you kind of have to look at this interpretation of kind of looking at what you know of God and what um, he would do. And uh, Andrew said something about, you know, the skin could just be some sort of um, covering covering of, of these people. Because in the last chapter, Nephi says, you know, uh, cover me in a robe of righteousness and, and it could be something similar here it's just an, a more awkward way of saying it almost yeah just like he's he has a skin of beauty upon him you know kind of like yeah that. it's just like he's covered in yeah whatever yeah so. but people outside of the church definitely are aware of this scripture and will 100 percent uh use this as proof that the Book of Mormon is wrong and doesn't support the scriptures, but you can, you can definitely look at it in a better light. And e even then we still don't have the exact answer of the interpretation of the scripture. So, and we don't really ever pretend to, but here, especially when it's so ambiguous, I guess it's, it's just important again to, like Jason said, to to look at what you know of God and then fit the story into that, you know? And, and so it's not, I don't know really how else to say that. I think I disagree, but that's okay. I don't, I'm not saying I have the answers either. I'm not, I don't think it's, I think it's pretty clear when it says a skin of blackness and we know that they were from Middle East. So they had a little bit darker skin than us. And I still think that their skin was turned a little bit darker, but here's the point that I would find my answer in is the scripture never says that the Lord, like when he curses them, he never did it because of him or that he was angry with, I mean, he says he cut them off from their presence, but he's not doing it for his own benefit. But he says for the, the Nephites, basically the people of Nephi, he's saying the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. And thus saith the Lord, I will cause that they shall be cut, be loathsome unto thy people. So not loathsome unto me. Like they're not any less in my sight. It's just that they're going to be scourged in your heart and your, your people and the hearts go along with it. You can never take the heart part out of it. I just see that as the Lord saying, this is going to be something that you're going to see them and you're going to know that they're a, a different people that do not, um, at this time glorify me and are leading their families to me. Um, and they're going to be a scourge to you. Not necessarily. They don't matter any less to me. That's not what he's saying. That's my interpretation of it. Yeah. That's and it does say shorter. also, you know, save that they shall repent. So it's right. like, you know, it's not, oh, I don't like black people. It, it's not that at all. Um, and, and maybe it's also like 
he marked these people with some sort of marking on their skin that was give them odd a birthmark. Yeah, like there, there's a lot of interpretations out there, and we're just trying to, you know, air it out a little bit and not try and hide from some of the controversial things that uh, come up in discourse. All right, and it's I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. And it's not like this is even a a point of doctrine that that matters for your saving. You know, uh, and, and it's if, if this is what kicks you out of believing in um, God or or just even of the Book of Mormon in general, then you're looking in the wrong places. You know, um, you're putting your dependency on the wrong things. And it shouldn't be that your dependency shouldn't be that everything in the Book of Mormon or everything even about God makes sense. Because if there's a famous quote that says, if you if you understand everything about your God, you're worshiping a God too small, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's something we all should think about a little bit more is that it's okay for us to not know things. I mean, God wants us to, to understand things, but it's okay for us to not know the interpretation of some things because in, in terms of our understanding and God's understanding, we're pretty dumb. We're actually, we're very dumb and not lessening to us, but God is way beyond what we will ever be. And, and so what is important is that we understand the, the things of salvation and the things of the kingdom. And, and he's made that very, very clear. And so, uh, of course, if, if this really matters to you and God knows that, and you're actively searching that out in your heart, then I believe that he will give you an answer Whatever that answer may be, you may be entitled to that answer, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever, I I don't really care, but it's that you look to things that really matter. And, and so I don't know. It's a good run out commercial that said you may be entitled to the answer from the lord if you, <laughs> have, have you or a loved one then it <laughs> and heavy prayer and they needed a um yeah i agree with all of that and and here's something cool in verse 40 he says the lord god said unto me um they shall be a scourge unto thy seed to the stir them up in remembrance of me and so here is uh the other the other brothers Laman and lemuel and the Lord saying they're actually going to be used for my purpose because they're going to make sure or they're going to scourge your people and your people are going to have to remember me. He's like, that's, you know, that's why I'm going to allow it to happen. Um, and he says, and as much as they will um, not remember me, then they, they can scourge them unto destruction. And that's why it's important that you remember that you call upon me. I'm your God. Um, I'll protect you and I'll, I'll keep them safe. I'll keep your people safe if they keep me as their God. And just the Lord uses different things in our lives, uh, trials or, or individuals that push can push us closer to, um, to him. If we're willing to remember him and call upon him when we need him, um, after those trials, just to, I guess if you guys can jump in here any time, but just to wrap up the chapter and the story of this Chapter four, Nephi consecrates his brothers. He ordains Jacob and Joseph should be priests and teachers. So um, I'm assuming that either both of them are ordained to the office of priest or one of them's ordained to the office of priest and one of them ordained to the office of teacher um, in the priesthood. And then he says that 
they began their ministry. He says, I, Nephi, am obedient to the commandments of the Lord, went and made, he made more plates to keep a record of his people and their dealings with um, things that the Lord had commanded him to write. And he ends it off on a high note, not necessarily a high note. It's, a, it's kind of a, a bittersweet note. He says, 40 years had passed away and already they had been warring with Laman and Lemuel and um, his brothers and their people, but he still called them brethren. So he ends there the chapter we had, well, he didn't end the chapter. The chapter was, <laughs> was placed there, but. Um, end of chapter one. Yeah. yeah Signed he, Nephi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so even after war, even after the Lord says he cut him off from their presence to Nephi, Nephi still knows that there's brethren. And if they would um, hearken to the Lord's words, they are welcome back, I think. You guys have anything to add before we close out this episode? I really like that last verse where he still calls them his brothers, you know. Because you can almost see that he takes that that lesson that Lehi taught him by continually seeking after Laman and Lemuel. And he's going to literal war with these guys and still yet he isn't giving up. He's saying, I will defend myself and my family and, and those who you attack. But listen, if you were to come to me and repent, I would be more than happy to help you to point you to God, like Jason was saying. And, and he, he wants nothing more than to just lead people to a place where they can better their relationship with him. And so I love that that uh, that picture it paints of, of Nephi's love he has for them, even though obviously they're, I mean, this might be the, the worst thing that they've done yet, is that they're literally going to war against him and his family and, and their own family. It's... it's <laughs> Not like they were looking in on didn't know the rest of the people. They they were with Sam and Nephi and Jacob and Joseph the whole time. I mean, most of the time. So, yeah. yeah. I like how this chapter fits into the preparatory gospel of you know, repentance, baptism, and following the commandments. Second Nephi is full of the preparatory gospel. We're going to get it in the later chapters, and it's all about repentance and baptism. So Good stuff. Yep. Well, we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, God bless. Have a good rest of your day or evening or good sleep. <laughs> if you uh, if you fall asleep to us, I know many people have told Jason that he has a wonderful <laughs> voice to fall asleep to and all his sermons he preaches. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you guys for, for uh, joining us. Uh, bye. Another reminder to go ahead and leave us your comments, questions, concerns, anything uh, either on our Facebook page, uh, the preparatory gospel restoration basics or uh, anchor.com slash preparatory dash podcast or email us at preparatory podcast at gmail.com.